Hi, I'm Nisha Pahuja. I'm the director of Tequila Tiger. And I'm Mike Munn, the co-editor of Tequila Tiger, and you're listening to the Cinematography Podcast. The following podcast contains explicit language. You're listening to the Cinematography Podcast presented by Hot Rod Cameras, a program about the art, craft and philosophy of the moving image and the people who make it happen. Coming to you from the world headquarters of Hot Rod Cameras in Hollywood, California, are your hosts, Ben Rock and Ilya Friedman. Hi, welcome to the Cinematography Podcast. This is your producer, Alana Cody. And today we have another special bonus episode. I had the opportunity to interview director Nisha Bahuja and editor Mike Munn about their documentary, To Kill a Tiger, which is nominated for an Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. So a warning before you listen, this interview does discuss the topic of sexual assault and violence, so uh, please take care. To Kill a Tiger is a story of Ranjit, who is a rice farmer in a small village in the state of, of Jharkhand in India, and his 13-year-old daughter is raped by three men from her village. Uh, Ranjit is determined to get justice for his daughter through the legal system. In India, this is actually really rare. Uh, men rarely stand up for their daughters, and conviction rapes for rape are less than 30%. So it's more common in the village where they're from for a girl to get married off to their abuser instead. But Ranjit and his family were determined that they were going to find justice for her. So they had to keep traveling to the city to um, go to court, and they fought really hard, and they often faced down threats of violence and ostracism from the other townspeople who thought that they shouldn't be, you know, taking this all the way to the court, that they should just handle it in their own way in the village. So here's my interview with the filmmakers. I hope you enjoy. Again, it's nominated for an Academy Award for uh, Best Documentary. The Cinematography Podcast Interview. I'm here with To Kill a Tiger, a director Nisha Pahuja and editor Mike Munn. And To Kill a Tiger is nominated for an Academy Award for Best Documentary Feature. Congratulations on the nomination and thank you so much for coming on the Cinematography Podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, starting with you, Nisha, um, can you tell me a little bit about how you found the film and what your path was to get to this story? Uh, yeah, so when I uh, started making the film, the original idea was to make a documentary that was looking at masculinity in, in India. And I was following the work of a local uh, gender rights organization, a local organization called the Srijan Foundation. And along with another big Delhi group, they were running a program, a gender sensitization program in 30 villages across the state of Jharkhand. And what they were doing is they were working with men and boys teaching them a different way of being male. And, and the program was running for three and a half years. It's a really intensive program. And Ranjit, who is the father in the film, was somebody that was enrolled in that program. And, and that's how I came across the story. Mm -hmm. And I began to, to follow his journey over time, while at the same time, continuing to film with other participants in the, in the gender sensitization program. And at, at that time, you know, we were all thinking that we would take these three threads and make one film uh, out of the material. So then 
Then you found out about the rape of the young woman and um, well, girl, and it was through that organization that you found the the family. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, when did you decide to change the focus? Was it um, when you were still filming the original storyline, or in the edit? In the edit, was that, yeah. So we, you know, I filmed for three and a half years. I filmed the story of the family for 18 months. For me, that was one strong thread. And then there were two other threads using the the world of that gender sensitization program and worked in the edit for just over two years, I think. And it was about two and a half years of, of editing where we realized that we we had to we had two separate films in the material. So then we focused exclusively on on the story of Ranjit and his family. Talk a little bit about when you were going through this process, though, building the trust that you had with Rajit and his daughter, Kieran. Um, well, you know, it, it just like anything, right? When you're making documentary and you're in the field, uh, and especially when you're dealing with material that is really sensitive, it just takes time. And I think it took as much time for me to feel comfortable filming them as it did for them to be filmed, right? Like it wasn't, it wasn't easy for me to be following the story, especially, you know, the first, the first couple of months. And and also I, I didn't have any time to build a relationship with them beforehand. Like I, I met them the first time I met them, I had a camera in my hand, you know? So it took time to build, to build that trust. But once we did, once that trust came, it really, I think, defined the film and I think in, in in many ways it's probably the most intimate film I've made. And then I know that it was a process too where at first it's because she's only 13 when this happened that it was a process of hiding her identity and then coming to a way to maybe not have to. Yeah I mean you know Mike can speak to that as well but in the field when I was filming her I decided very consciously to not film her in a way that would make her feel left out or you know uh, discriminated against like I filmed her exactly as I was filming everybody else which initially wasn't my thought I I thought I would film her in a more abstract kind of way initially and then I realized that that just was going to probably make her feel like she had done something wrong I didn't want to exacerbate already that kind of pressure and that sense of shame that that she was feeling and and so we decided that we would find some way to mask her identity in, in post-production. And we were very particular and very specific about what we wanted that masking technique to achieve. You know, mm-hmm. it was essentially to to hide her while at the same time retaining a sense of who she is and a sense of her identity and, and presence, right? She has a very strong presence. Uh, so we tried a number of different things. Mike can talk about them. We tried mm-hmm. so many different things, like so, so, so many different things. By the time we were finished, she was she was an adult. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we just started to ask her about would you how would you feel about being shown? You know, how, how do you feel about that? And she wanted to see the film, of course. So my sound recordist, um, Anita, you know, flew to to Ranchi and showed the family the film and they mm-hmm. just loved it. You know, it was a fine cut of the film and they they just loved it. And uh, they just said yes, you know, she said she said yes right away. And I called her the next day to find out why, right? Like I wanted to have a sort of a real kind of heart to heart with her about it. And she said that it was because she wanted, she couldn't believe how courageous she was when, at, like when she was watching herself, she couldn't believe her own courage and her own bravery. 
and she wanted to celebrate that. Episode. Yeah, I had and I had a question about that. I mean, like I was I, I do you have a kind of an idea of how did they find the courage? I mean, the whole village was against them. The, you know, village leader, I guess you would call him a mayor, sort of. Um, yeah. He was very dismissive of the whole thing. And I, so was it were they supported by the NGO that was trying to a lot by, you know, with that? Yeah, I I think, you know, I think the NGO, I think they felt supported by the NGO. I think they felt supported by the crew. But I think they also, I think Ranjit just was really driven by the love of his child. Yes. I think that's so, that was so central to to everything, to everything for him. Like, I remember when when Mike and I were looking, we were looking at that, remember that footage, Mike, of Mm -hmm. when he says Mm -hmm. him on the cot, right? Bust Mm -hmm. up. Yeah. When we were we're looking at that uh, material, I think the thing that really struck us was almost like at the moment where it's because he just had he just been threatened uh, with with murder, right? Yeah. And it's like you know at the the worst moment of his life is when he kind of rose to the challenge and and he says, mm-hmm. "If my thirteen year old daughter, if my if my child is saying don't drop the case and and I I'll, I'd rather die than give in." then of course mm-hmm. she's that brave then then i have to be that brave as well yeah. right it's a, it's a remarkable scene because you see all of that thought process happening in real time on his face and he's expressing it as it's coming into into uh into his mind it's quite quite remarkable yeah they're both so expressive i mean that's really yeah. a part of what makes it too is just being able to read all their emotions on their faces and mm-hmm. um see what mm-hmm. they're really going through and i was wondering like was there at any point where you thought thought they were just going to give up yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah, for sure and and i wouldn't have blamed them also yeah and you know that's that in that scene um where he says i'm not going to you know i'm going to keep fighting right in spite of the death threats uh in that scene uh in the footage i remember having this long kind of conversation with him about what was motivating him and did it have anything to do with you know feeling obligated to the crew or obligated to the ngo so many power dynamics in India that you have to that you have to be aware of and you have to you have to be conscious of. So you know those conversations were always had. But I I just think Ranjit is the kind of person who it's it, inside of him this idea of doing the right thing. He's just a very ethical, thoughtful person. Yeah, I mean, I admire his courage. I mean, they were really standing up to this old way of doing things. Just mm-hmm. do, you know, marry her off. That's what we do here. Ignore it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that that takes a lot of courage to change. So I was curious, too, did you think that, well, two things, really. Do you think the film crew was helping to protect them, on, in a way, from the backlash? Or was it? Yeah. You, yeah. You do. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Maybe not so much at the time, but I was told that by them. Mm-hmm. And then I was told that recently by um, some activists in India who I really trust. And that made me feel relieved. You yeah, know? I'm sure. Yes, yes that, that for sure that the, the crew and the filming gave them a level of protection, even though it exacerbated the situation and it, you know, it was it was controversial and the villagers wanted us out. But it did offer it did offer them and protection. And do you think that the court decision and everything that resulted after changed the attitudes in the village? Not the at uh, no. No. Okay. Because I mean that 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 stuff takes so yeah. long. You know? Like it, it will change the way people act. It'll obviously it will have an impact and people will think twice about things. And maybe maybe some people will question their beliefs, but very few. 
you know, it, it's one thing to change someone's action. It's another thing to change how somebody thinks about something. And and so, yes, it may have impacted how people respond. Don't know if it's changed dramatically how people think. Okay. Yeah, well, I guess with time. I mean, you know, like I said, women here still get that all the time. How, why did you do that? Why didn't you, how dare you stay out late? How dare you wear lipstick and nail polish? It's like, uh, yeah, God forbid it'd be a man's fault, you know. <sighs> anyway, um, so then, yeah, I was curious too. Um, and so your husband, since we are about cinematography, I did have a couple questions about that. He, he was the cinematographer for this. So can you tell me a little bit about um, what that was like and working that closely with him? And um... so we had a we had a number of, of DPs that were brilliant on on this film. Renal, you know, Renal was sort of like I guess he shot a big chunk of it, majority of it, and he is. You know, Mike should actually, I'll, I'll say what it's like for me, mm -hmm. but Mike, mm -hmm. I think Mike has a beautiful way of talking about Renal's work. But what, what I what I will say is that for me in the field, what he brings, and, and it's, it's not just him, but it's also my sound recordist, Anita. I think the three of us, because we've worked together for, for so long we, and we know each other so well, we just have a way of creating a kind of space for people. And, and I think that's that's where the intimacy, you know, that's mm -hmm. where the intimacy and trust comes from. And I, Mernal, both of them also are very, very quiet. Not all crews are quiet, mm. <laughs> you know, but Mernal and Anita are very quiet. And so they just kind of blend into the background and they're gentle. And, and I think that really has an effect. You know, uh, Kieran, for example, the, there were times where I would ask her, could you know, could you go from here to here? I just want to get a shot of, of, of you doing this. And she would say, no, I don't want to do this. <laughs> She's a really, really strong-willed person. Very, very strong. Mm -hmm. You could not get her to do something she didn't want to do. So she would say no. And I would say, oh, please, I just need to get the shot because the light bulb. And, uh, and Renal would say to her in his lovely, sonorous voice, you know, child, can we just do this one shot? And 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 she would just say, "Yes, okay." <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's a he's a real asset. <laughs> That's great. And then, yeah. it, but it, how was it? Because it took many years. Where did you fly back and forth together a lot? Like, um, were you did you stay in India the whole time? Like, and then be living with the story for so long was that difficult? Kind of with your partnership. Yeah. Well, we, uh, what I, we had a house, like we rented a house because I, you know, I was there for three and a half years. So we, we rented a, we rented a house in Ranchi, which is the city that was, you know, closest to the village. And what would happen is I would go, I would spend a lot of time there. I would set things up. I'd figure things out. I'd get a sense of where, you know, things were going. And then the crew would come and we would sometimes, it, you know, sometimes we'd stay there for a month or five weeks, sometimes eight days. It really kind of, depended on what was going on because you know i was also tracking two other storylines right i was also filming two other storylines so we, we were there a lot we spent a lot of time on the ground uh, there and whenever you're filming with your husband or wife right it's difficult mm -hmm. and so let's just kind of like go into the editing process now you were saying that so you had a mess of footage basically i guess or you you had an idea of where the direction where nisha where the film you wanted you thought you wanted to go so then when mike came in what changed for you with that and i guess you were working with there's a, there was another editor as well yeah. yeah that's right yeah when we uh so dave kazala a great editor he started the project and he um 
he was assembling and rough cutting for a little over a year, I think. And, um, you know, I think when I came in, uh, there was a nine or a 10 hour assembly of, of scenes. And there were some other scenes that were still to be to be dealt with. But Dave had to move on to something else. So Nisha asked me to step in. And so I took it from that point. About eight months, though, after I came on, we're, they were still dealing, you know, we were still dealing with the entire film, which was this bigger film about masculinity. And so I worked for about eight months on the film with Nisha, um, trying to to work all the threads into this bigger film. Ranjit's story was only one of three major stories. So um, I really had a hard time getting it down under three hours. And then we started talking a bit about like, oh, well, maybe it should be a two-part series, you know, two, two hours or something like that. And so for a little bit, we were, we were thinking about that because it became apparent that as I was cutting it down, Ranjit's story in particular was losing a lot of its power, right? Because in that version, it was only somewhere between 45 and 50 minutes. So mm-hmm. you can imagine it was basically cut in half. So all of the things that are there that make it so powerful, a lot of the things weren't there. So anyway, we at one point we decided, uh, you know, I, I was starting to have the inkling that, you know, things weren't really going together. There was something that wasn't really kind of fitting. So we had this kind of uh, confab of uh, other editors, other editors that we trust, some of the, the best doc editors in Canada, I think. And we, we got a, a few people together and had them look at it. And sort of almost instantaneously, the s- consensus was that there was actually two films. We were We were wrestling a lot because we had in fact two different films and it wasn't even about length it was really like the two films can't exist together in the same mm-hmm. film so Ranjit's film was so specific about uh, the story the story was so specific and so so well drawn out that it needed its own place so um yeah from that moment we we jettisoned all of that work and material that we'd done um, like two-thirds of the material roughly you know it was a big deal for me but for nisha especially having shot it all and set it all up i mean and this is after ha- this is after how many years like three years well that without yeah that would be yeah. that would be well into two maybe a little over two years of editing mm-hmm. all told so you know to pivot like that in a process is it's a really hard thing to do but uh you know eventually we came to terms with it and we could put all our energy into Ranji's story so i started reassembling and and broadening out Ranjit's story again because I'd compressed it so much. So I went back to kind of earlier versions. And so then when we were focused on Ranjit's story, we could, you know, that was clear. The path was clear, you know, that we could, uh, you know, we were still juggling some structural stuff within Ranjit's story. But once we got, we kind of got over that hurdle, then it was kind of clear sailing to the end. In a nutshell, that was it. I was just going to say, I mean, the, the the great thing about shifting focus was that we were then able to kind of flesh out, you know, not just Ranjit and his relationship mm-hmm. with his wife, but also just giving her more space. Like, you know, it had sort of a clear narrative arc and it was a real, real blessing. Yeah. Well, you you know, you have to go where the story takes you, right? Yeah. Like, like you just have so much to, of documentary is that yeah taking mm-hmm. it yeah. going where it's get out, getting, of, the, yeah, get out, of, the get way, out of the way exactly. yeah 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 <laughs> let the story uh tell you where it's going yeah mm-hmm. exactly so, so do you think mm-hmm. you'll go back and make something out of the rest <laughs> of what you have or is it just that's well, that's done <laughs> actually for for a couple of months you know before new year's i've been reassembling all of that material 
because because we just left it behind and in its state it was in so i spent a couple of months going into the older versions of all that material which you know as i say because we started compressing everything so we i kind of went we sailed past the best versions so i reassembled all that stuff into a into a cut that nisha and i when the smoke clears from all yeah. this uh oscar hullabaloo will uh <laughs> We're going to sit down and watch it and and decide what needs to be done. You know whether you know whether there's enough material there to to make a film or now, or because we removed Ranjit's story from it, do does there need to be more shooting? You know yeah. what what what's what's going to be required. So we'll have to spend a little time assessing the footage. But uh, the goal is to to have that film uh, yeah. finished at some point. Mm-hmm. Got it. And yeah, so actually going back, Mike, mm. um, I know you did the editing for um, Stories We Tell. That was, I've yes, seen that. Right. Great movie. Love it. We've um, interviewed mm. Iris Eng, who was a cinematographer for, oh, yeah. for that, too. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. There's another great uh, documentary DOP. She, yeah, she, she is did awesome. amazing work on that. Yeah. 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 One of the things for To Kill a Tiger that I was curious about, mm-hmm. so, uh, and you, I, know, I guess you've done it before, but mm-hmm. working yeah. in doing editing and working in another language, that must have been yeah. kind of challenging. Yeah. Well, um, it's less challenging than you'd think because mm-hmm. all of the rushes were, were transcribed and tra- translated and subtitled. Mm-hmm. So there was, I think we had, uh, my assistant and I were trying to figure out exactly how much in terms of time or length, how much footage we had, but there was 157 shoot days and we were just sort of thinking, you know, if it averaged six or seven hours a day, that would be, you know, at that between a thousand and twelve hundred hours of footage. But uh, in India, the footage uh, by a team of people was was transcribed and rudimentary subtitles were put on it. So when I when I get those scenes, I know what they're saying based on the subtitles um and if some of them are because the people that are doing the subtitles their first language is in english so we would kind of polish like i'd kind of get uh pranay nishani my assistant a native hindi speaker was you know he would help me along the way with polishing the subtitles but i mean it's kind of if as long as you have the subtitle it's really like editing in any language you you know when a sentence finishes and you know when a sentence begins um it's uh Pretty soon, you're just kind of working with it as if it's as if it is English. You okay. Know, so, so it's less it's less problematic than you'd think. One of the important things at the end of the process is, and and Dave, um, the original editor, came back and helped us for about a month with this is is polishing the subtitles themselves because you know we would sit with uh, Hindi speakers and say, well, what what are they actually saying? Because it was it was just kind of a first pass when right. the original subtitles were done, and you know sometimes idioms in hindi what what's the translation of that in english you know what what's the phrase that matches that in english or mm-hmm. you know those kind of things so it's there's a bit of a process to make sure the english is solid you know like you're reading proper english and that the idioms are accurate to what what the meaning is that kind of thing so Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just curious because it seems like it would be challenging mm-hmm. as an editor if you're like, this is not my native language. Yeah, well, well, there were <laughs> a few times where, you know, there was a, sub, a subtitle and somebody's talking for like 30 seconds or a minute and there's like a one sentence subtitle. So I would say to Pranay, this person's obviously saying more than what that says, you know, what, what's actually happening there. So there would be that. And then um, if I had to construct a sentence or I had to change the tense of a sentence or something just to make it flow better. I would have to give that to Pranay to do, right? He'd have mm-hmm. to actually like cut the Hindi to have it make sense. Um, and the odd time I would like cut out of a sentence before the last word, thinking the last word was part of the next sentence. So mm-hmm. there was a bit of correct correction there as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite part about working on the film? 
You know, my favorite part overall was working with the observational and verite nature of of the film. It was so intimate and real and raw, working, creating scenes out of real emotion. It lent itself to structure. You know, there's suspenseful areas. There's um, other things. You know, those are all storytelling things that exist in documentary and scripted. So it's a specific kind of kind of experiential observational style of filmmaking that I'd done a bit of before, not a lot, a lot of what I do in the doc world, not in scripted, but in the doc world is interview based, right? Where you're getting information from talking heads or voiceovers giving you the story. This was a film where the narrative was all happening within real scenes with the family. And uh, that was challenging, but rewarding and in, in just the truthfulness of it. You know, I think just being there with them, you kind of felt you know, as you do as an audience, you kind of felt as an editor that you're inside, you're in that living room with them. Yeah. And I mean, did the subject matter ever sort of creep into you or? Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think in the early. Yeah, I know know what you mean. I think I think early on, you know, with the shock of seeing things for the first time, of course. But then, you know, as you gradually move through it, you're kind of stepping out a bit and, and looking at it as a story and what's the best way to tell that. So I think you have a kind of a professional distance from it at some point. But of course, what I'm getting at in the scenes when I'm cutting is what that feeling was to them. I mean, just trying to be, you know, to to help an audience see what's happening and feel it as well, you know, feel what I was, you know, passing on what I was feeling when I first saw it. And so, yeah. And of course, you have the advantage of you know how what's what's going to happen. I guess yeah. that's a good thing yeah. about the the film too is that like everything was wrapped, so you kind of yeah. it's not left yeah. to we're exactly. left in, in this, limbo. But what's going to happen yeah. next? Exactly. So. In this case, it was uh, they weren't still shooting, um, so you know we had kind of knew the whole picture where where we we're going to begin and where we were going to end. Also, in this case, you know, sometimes you have an inherent chronology. And right? so this is the incident, the, the assault near the beginning, all the way to the verdict. Right. So you have that sort of structure anyway. But, you know, within that, uh, you know, there's interviews that take place at different times. There's, you know, some of the scenes were juggled a bit in terms of when they went to the court, that kind of thing, just to have, to have it make, make sense of the story. Yeah. But uh more when we were dealing with the whole film and figuring out how how Ranji's story was going to thread through this greater story of masculinity and these other characters was that that was the uh, tricky well, I mean really challenging part because in fact we were trying to solve something that in the end couldn't be solved it mm-hmm. was a bit like you know putting a round peg into a square hole like we we really wanted to try and make that bigger film but it it really as we were saying earlier, the material told us that it needs to be two films. And mm-hmm. if we can if we can get the other film finished, they'll be they'll be really good companion films because the film, the broader film on masculinity will give context to the Ranjit story. So you can watch them and they'll like yeah. inform each of them will inform the other. You know? Yeah, it sounds interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely yeah. something I think that also needs to be told more when we were speaking a little mm-hmm. bit earlier about how, you know, that way of thinking is takes longer to change, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. And the, and the bigger, the broader story of masculinity and is one of the reasons why it was tough to put them together. One of the, one of the main themes of the bigger story is that, that men are also victims of this system that's been in place for, for thousands of years, you know, and that, and, and so the, the bigger theme is that every, like everyone's a victim, you know, mm-hmm. men and women, you know, and, but putting that in a story where the main focus is on this young girl who's been assaulted, just, you know, it, it was too much to kind of do that all at once. You know, that was such a specific story. And 
to have a film where one of the big themes is as men are victims as as much as anybody was tough to make fit with a young girl who's been assaulted by by three men you know so so it's you know that's maybe simplifying it but it it was at really i think one of the things at the core of why it wouldn't mesh together yeah um and so right. where can people find you if um if they want to like do you have social media or um you know, <laughs> i'm not big a uh, website big or anything media. like that or yeah. uh i do have a website although i have to update it that's mikemoneditor.com m-i-k-e-m-u-n-n editor.com and it will be updated soon so Great. <laughs> most right. people who are busy working don't have time to update their websites it's true yeah that's right no i've <laughs> got to get on that it's, it's been a while but yeah yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the Cinematography Podcast. You're welcome. It's uh, It's been a pleasure and an honor. Thank you very much. Thank you. This has been the Cinematography Podcast, presented by Hot Rod Cameras. Find your next camera, lens, or accessory on the web at hotrodcameras.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening.